We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, as we are recording this episode late Wednesday night on March 22nd, 2023. Most of you will be listening to this Thursday morning on March 23rd, and the significance of that. We're one week away from the 2023 opening day for the Chicago White Sox as they'll be heading to Houston to face the defending world champion Astros. The Astros will be wearing a gold uniform for the opening night game against the Chicago White Sox, copying what the Kansas City Royals did many moons ago when they won the World Series to add gold to their home uniform in celebration of of their championship. So that's something to look forward to for the White Sox. And hey, Roger Clemens is going to be part of the ESPN broadcast. Woo! Play back, play back, play <laughs> yes. back. Yes, we'll be hosting a watch party on playback. But again, we're one week away from opening day. There are some position battles for the White Sox, especially the 26-man roster, that still need to get ironed out as we count down the days of remaining for spring training is Hanser Alberto a serious contender in making this team? And on the lighter side, the Chicago White Sox just hosted their food day event, and we will preview some of the concession items that you'll be able to find at Guarantee Rate Field during the 2023 season. But joining me, as you heard him pitch the playback already, is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. But Jim, we got to start with the World Baseball Classic. What a way... To complete the tournament, congratulations to Japan for making me look smart and picking them to win the whole thing. But man, it came down to the bottom of it came to the ninth inning, I should say, the top of the ninth inning. And it came, you couldn't script it any better as far as the finish. It came down to Otani against Trout. What a way to end that tournament, Jim. Yeah, we both look smart because I picked the US, you picked Japan. Yes. The two finalists, like, good job, Sox Machine Podcast. Woo! Kudos us. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, like, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. Uh, everybody's hoping Trout versus Otani before the game. 
you know, asking both about like, you know, asking Mike Trout, would you want to face Shohei Otani? He said no. And then you saw the last at bat and you understand why. Like 199 swung through both of them. Then that slider, which is basically like it reminded me of like the last pitch of Kerry Woods. 20 strikeout game when he struck out Derek Bell with that curveball that just like broke into the left-handed batter's box. It was just uh, like for somebody's 120th pitcher. I forget how many pitches would it thrown, but like for the, how tired he should have been, how sharp and nasty that pitch was like, yeah, that's, that's the great, that's the perfect way to go out in that kind of game. And for the moments like Otani threw the perfect pitch, the slider with like tons of lossy, tons of break, tons of tilt, uh, nobody had a chance in that, you know, Mike Trout, you know, of all people looked just as bad as like probably Jake Berger would have mm-hmm. on that pitch. Like, sure. Great pitch, especially like Otani for one inning as a closer. Um, you know, that, that's, that feels unfair. And it was pretty much aside from like the leadoff walk that got quickly erased on a Mookie Betts double play. So yeah, I, I think the, the way it ended overshadowed you know, the few injury cases that came up with Jose Altuve's finger and Edwin Diaz's knee and Freddie Freeman's hamstring, like that all seemed to go away with how the last few games in the U.S.-Venezuela game, uh, Cuba game was a laugher, but just the, you know, Japan-Mexico game and then U.S.-Japan games, three out of four, pretty good. Yes, and there's so much excitement, especially from the players' perspective. They already miss it. Like, they're already looking forward to the next tournament. Some are advocating hosted it every single year. I think that might be a little too much, Jim, to have the World Mm -hmm. Baseball Classic every single year. But we have to wait now until the 2026 version of the tournament. I'm sure we're going to see more major leaguers participate in the tournament. Uh, As the cool kids would say, some of these players are suffering from FOMO of missing out of this particular tournament and instead being uh, with their teams during spring training. But any changes you foresee with the 2026 tournament now that the the Baseball Federation and Major League Baseball, they have three years to prepare? I don't think so. I mean, like it, when it comes to every three years and you have a baseball and a whole bunch of nascent markets, it seems like you just kind of have to keep letting it play out, see which countries are gaining momentum. Um, and then like, you know, maybe you give those countries a nod, like, you know, play some home games in Europe, perhaps, uh, you know, that'd be kind of cool to see if you could stage some games there, but otherwise like, yeah, it's seems like this was fine. Uh, maybe that insane tiebreaker with all the teams that were two and two, like maybe that's something that could stand to be addressed or maybe not like, mm-hmm. you know, there seem to be no sore feelings from it. Uh, kind of all's well that ends well. The one thing I can think of is maybe, you know, if you could like delay the start of the season, a little bit so pitchers could have a higher pitch count, like maybe have two weeks of spring training for those pitchers or th- uh, you know, an extra week just to get them ramped up so you don't have like the 45 and 65 pitches that you're worried about pitchers hitting to where like maybe the games represent, especially the earlier games, hmm. represent a real baseball game more. That's really like the only tweak I can think of because otherwise like it's gaining momentum on its own and everybody seemed to be happy. Like even after the Mexico-Japan game, like Mexico is like – pumped about just you know the uh yeah benji gill was just even though he was on the losing dugout he sounded really excited and like a cheerleader for the project as a whole so yeah i mean it's fine you know just uh i i wouldn't really 
tweak it too hard just because it's like a case where nobody's complaining about it. <laughs> it's a few things about baseball where nobody's ever complaining about it. Uh, you know, leave it alone. In fact, I saw like, you know, uh, the, the tweets pivoted to like, this baseball is amazing. And now you got to go to the regular season. How can you get a 162 game season to capture the same sense of urgency? And like, you don't. The great thing about baseball is like you can one game doesn't matter. That's the best thing about baseball right. is that like if a game sucks, there's tomorrow. And, you know, if week sucks, that's when it starts you know, piling up. But like you can forget about it. You can drop out, drop back in like it's always there. That's what's great about baseball. It's like saying like, you know, the you know, why isn't the World Cup? You know, you know, why isn't every league like the World Cup? Why? How can we get an MLS game to match the intensity of the World Cup? Like you can't. It's different and like as you said like with the you know trying to make it every year thing like no just give it some time to build up anticipation because that's what makes the you know, olympics that's what makes the you know world cup like having these things on a cycle makes makes it kind of cool and actually like you know when you think about olympics and such like you can start building up and you know teams and rosters and you might pay attention closer attention to japan now like who's you know, emerging stars coming out of there, you know, learning their roster and then learning, you know, when they might come stateside. So I like the anticipation part of it, just knowing that it isn't going to be every year. And so when it comes around, people are going to be locked in. I will have to say with the, with the hosts one for the 2026, I would like to see maybe some Northern sites that have domes. Like I think it'd be cool. Milwaukee hosted a pool, or Canada could host a pool either in Toronto or Montreal. If Montreal is looking to drum up significant baseball fever and prove that they could be a baseball town again, especially Major League Baseball, I think they should apply to be a host of one of the pools in North America. Uh, I think that would be pretty awesome. But from the enthusiastic standpoint, the World Baseball Classic, the only thing I think people should be concerned about Major League Baseball is hopefully the playoffs has the same amount of excitement compared to the World Baseball Classic. There might be a drop, but that's really the only comparison you can make is here we are in March and we're hoping come October that we see the same high intensity of play and the same excitement level during the Major League Baseball postseason on the run to the World Series as we saw in the World Baseball Classic in March. And if we don't, then okay, you can maybe have the conversation of why people are not as excited about the major league baseball postseason in October to the world series as the world baseball classic. But honestly, a lot of people were not that enthusiastic about the world baseball classic before this year's edition. I know I wasn't, I, I was a bit hesitant, but I dove, I cannonballed in <laughs> as the tournament got mm -hmm. going. I think it helps to have a lot of white Sox players involved, but it was definitely a, a classic World Baseball Classic Tournament, I don't think anyone will forget, and now everybody's looking ahead to 2026. So bravo to all the teams and all the countries and all players involved. You've inspired a lot of people around the world at the game of baseball, and we can't wait for 2026. For the Chicago White Sox, there is some business to be handled. And if you didn't catch Jim's column on Wednesday morning on SoxMachine.com, I urge you to read up because Jim did the homework when it comes to Hanser Alberto. And this is concerning with the Chicago White Sox bench. What we have heard from Sox Machine is a lot of rumors this week coming out of Glendale, Arizona. And when we say rumors, it hasn't been verified if this is actually happening. 
So keep that in mind. Let's consider this gossip. The gossip is Oscar Colas is going to make the team. Now, having been to Guarantee Rate Field, they have Oscar Colas banners <laughs> outside the stadium. Uh, you don't usually promote AAA players, so I think it's safe to say Oscar Colas is going to make the 26-man roster. We have heard whispers that Jake Berger could be making the 26-man roster for the Chicago White Sox, which is interesting and will also back the reason why he's gotten so many plate appearances in spring training. We also know that Subby Zavala will be Yasmani Grandal's backup catcher. Duh. I, I don't think there was any competition there. So you got two bench spots. And concerning opening day, if the Astros roll with Framber Valdez, in case if Valdez is actually healthy, that seems to be a thing now with the Houston Astros. Because of him being left-handed, Pedro Grafal could go with a Eloy Jimenez in right field, Jake Berger as the DH on opening day, pushing back the debut of Oscar Colas either later in that game or in game two. Just be prepared for that. But there's two bench spots remaining, and... There's gossip from past weekend about the White Sox liking what they see from Hans or Alberto. When you look at the spring training stats, Jim, and you pointed out in your column, I mean, Alberto's hitting 452, 469, 839 slugging percentage. Yeah, it's 31 at bat, so it's an incredibly small sample size. And his major league career, the numbers are not impressive, whether it's offense or defense for Hans or Alberto. But with the contract situation... Alberto is making this decision a lot tougher than I think I expected or many would expect from a White Sox point of view, Jim. It comes down to specifics in the collective bargaining agreement that we are not privy to. Like they have not yet published the entire uh, basic agreement uh, between uh, the league and the union. And I saw... Editors and writers, especially those who work on the business side of baseball, you know, talking about like, oh, man, it'd be great to have this. Just be great to know like about certain things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I want to read those articles when they come out. And then like it finally affected me when I was reading about um, the retention bonuses for players, typically in Alberto's position, like he's got more than six years of service time. So he's an article XXB free agent in that like he gets uh, like if the White Sox want to keep him around uh, past spring training, they have to pay him $100,000 retention bonus. And then there are opt-out dates uh, in May and June, or they can vary depending on like agreements in the contract. But now it seems like Evan Drellich of The Athletic was reporting that, uh, you know, quotes, previously certain free agents had retention bonuses they had to be paid if a team held on to them late in spring training. That system is gone, but those players now have uniform opt-out dates five days before opening day, May 1st and June 1st, uh, end quote. And, uh, you know, that was just dropped into a paragraph about like a whole bunch of changes that are coming in the CBA. And that's kind of a big paragraph when it comes to Hans or Alberto, because like that means like Saturday, if the White Sox don't add him to the 26 man roster, he can you know find a job elsewhere. And I was looking around, I was Googling, trying to find like, you know, any kind of combination of non-roster invitee opt outs, retention bonuses, article XXB free agent, et cetera. And couldn't really find any like situations except for in Atlanta. Uh, they added a Ray Adrianza, to their roster. He was, you know, he had a lousy season last year, but he's had a hot spring this time around. And they had some uncertainty at shortstop when Dansby Swanson now with the Cubs. And uh, they sent Vaughn Grissom down and they sent Braden Shoemake down. 
and they're sticking with Adrianza as like a middle infielder utility guy. And it was surprising, but they mentioned that, you know, they would lose him. So like, and he's got eight years of service time. So he's in the same boat as Alberto. So like in that case, like, you know, that's, you know, the Braves are usually a pretty shrewd judge of talent and kind of know how to build a roster. And, and so I kind of trust them as a case of like not getting enamored with the 30 at bat sample size, more along lines of just like, you know, not forsaking depth when you have young players who might have to be sent down, then who do you have to replace them with? Especially if they're like, you know, not looking like no brainers in spring training. So like that was a case where like, Oh, you know, that might be it. And that might explain why it's more than just like guy having a hot spring or guy who, you know, had a good relationship with Pedro Grafal. And in this case, like looking at, you know, doing Twitter searches with the Dodgers last year, like guy who seems to get along with every human being on the planet, which is, you know, Alberto seems like a great clubhouse glue guy, cheerleader type also made 10 appearances on the mound. So he was a favorite of Dave Roberts. Cause he's like, yeah, I'll take the ball. I'll finish this game. So like he does, you know, everything you want a last guy on the bench to do. So, you know, I was you know, not ignoring them necessarily, but just wanting the you know more at bats to see what Larry Garcia would do and Romy Gonzalez would do. But now with like a week to go, um, you're looking at Alberto still leading the pack by a, a healthy margin, and now this little bit of information that says like, well, you know, they might have to keep him. And you know, the key there then is like, do they let go of Larry Garcia? Do they just you know eat that eleven million, or do they carry both? And I just really don't like the idea of carrying both because. One Swiss Army knife is fine. Two Swiss Army knives, you really wish you had just a normal knife or a normal pair of scissors or like something else that could do a job well versus one thing that can do an uh, a, an emergency job passably one time. Like that that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, in that scenario, they carried both. The White Sox bench would be Sebi Zavala, Jake Berger, Hans Alberto, and Lurie Garcia. I would make the argument that you don't have like a fifth outfielder. Like your fourth outfielder is Eloy Jimenez. And if Luis Robert got hurt, you're putting Andrew Benatendi or Oscar Colas in center field. Like that, mm-hmm. that would be the White Sox outfield situation. So trying to break this down, I guess there's two angles to this conversation. There's what you would do, Jim. And there's what the White Sox will do. I will start with what I think the White Sox will do. I I could see them carrying both, even though to us, that doesn't make any logic sense at all. Like if you like Hans Alberto, if Alberto is Pedro Grafal's guy, and you highlighted that in your column that Alberto and Grafal have a history together and Grafal is in his corner. Yeah, it, it was a year, but you also pointed out a very good year. Yeah, very good year. And he also made an impression with the Dodgers. Like I get that Lurie Garcia has been around longer. And I know that some people are trying to make the argument to keeping Lurie Garcia because of injuries or X, Y, Z overplayed because of Tony La Russa. I just don't know what Lurie Garcia is good at at all. Uh, Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what he brings to this roster at all. So I would be okay if the White Sox cut him and that's a sunk cost. It didn't make sense in the beginning why you signed him to that three-year contract a last year in this type of situation and then figure out and try to be more creative with the other bench spot. But if I were a betting man, I would not be surprised after the weekend to find out that both Hans Roberto and Lurie Garcia are on the bench 
And I know you just said, Jim, that doesn't make any logical mm -hmm. sense, but this is the White Sox, and sometimes things don't logically make sense. I think when I look at it, I just want Griffal to pick his guy. Like, you know, I don't necessarily have strong feelings for Alberto. I think he's like a better... He has a defined strength that he's, I think, a plus defender in the infield, at least at second base and third base. Shortstop, not really, but you have Elvis Andrews who can slide over to shortstop if need be. So you have two shortstops in the infield. Right. Um, and you know, Alberto can probably fake it if need be. But like he's a plus second baseman. At least he has been probably a plus third baseman. So that's fine. Um, and, and whereas Garcia, like his strengths are like switch hitter, you know, if he's healthy, you know, that might make a difference. Um, you know, better, you know, faster runner, better base dealer than Alberto. So there's that, but, uh, depending on like, you know, if you carry Alberto, do you carry Billy Hamilton as well? Then you get the base dealing and the plus outfield defense. And you can carry that specialist that we talked about like that, just the, the, the one tool guy or the two tool guy who, uh, you know, you don't want starting, but can really serve a purpose in specific situations. Whereas Garcia does not serve a purpose in specific situations. He just, you know, he's able to, at least when he's fully functional, able to stand in one spot uh, passively or stand in like six spots passively for a game or two at a time. That's kind of how I look at it. But really, I just I, I want Griffal to pick his guy. And like if it comes down to like I really like Alberto and, and Garcia goes like fine, like, yeah, it just the way Garcia played last year, like and I know he was hurt, but also like he has really hot and cold stretches where he offers nothing and then he bounces back like. He's, it's really been a testament to his resilience to be the longest tenured White Sox when like they could have cut him a, a many different times. You're part of it's the White Sox just not having enough talent to churn him out. And also, you know, he's been able to reinvent himself a few times and and have some, uh, you know, s some surges where others didn't. And he stood out for those reasons. But, you know, it, it's Griffal like, you know, La Russa had Garcia if. Griffal wants Alberto to be his Garcia, like, fine. You know, I, I think they're basically kind of the same person. You won't notice much. And if they end up on the same roster, like, I'll give it a week. Like, you know, maybe the White Sox just want a week to see if, like, they can shake a guy through, uh, you know, spring training. Or, like, you know, or I should say through waivers because spring training's over and everybody's juggling their rosters. Or minor league season's starting and they want to, you know, reshuffle what the infield at Charlotte looks like. And, and that'll ultimately decide it. Like... Yeah, I'm not going to say like, this is a mistake if they break camp with Garcia and Alberto, but just like after about like a week or so, you know, hopefully they'll have an idea of what they want to do with that last bench spot. Because like, you know, I imagine like Billy Hamilton's probably in the same thing with service time. Like he probably has an opt out too. So if they want to keep him, they might have to have him on the roster. Whereas Adam Hazley, uh, I'm guessing, and we don't know because we don't have the CBA language, probably doesn't have that right because he's barely played the major. So yeah, I mean, this is like if they do make these moves, like sticking with Alberto or Hamilton or whatnot, like that'll better explain why they did. And I think the Adrianza case is like informative as to like, even though Adrianza had a terrible year last year, he had a hot spring this time around. Like, you know, they thought that they would lose a guy because every team could use somebody like him. And I imagine like Alberto, especially like with his reputation as like a very good team player. Uh, you know, might face the same pressures. Whereas Garcia following up a lousy season with an unimpressive spring, just, you know, maybe they think, mm -hmm. yeah, I doubt he would probably accept an assignment through, you know, uh, to the minors. Like I imagine he would go elsewhere and, and, and look for a job and, and be paid well while he waits for that opportunity. Uh, but 
That, that's kind of how I'm leaning. But ultimately, like, I think it's a distinction without a difference from my perspective between Alberto and Garcia. And so I just want Grafal to like who he has. Saturday, then. We're expecting to see some type of decision. If the tea leaves are correct, that we should have some type of resolution before we record another episode. Yes. And assuming like the reporting, I mean, Drellich is good at his job. So I assume the reporting's correct, but just without the seeing the language myself or seeing, you know, having a bunch of smart business of baseball people read through it and explain it for me or, you know, confirm what I'm reading uh, with my non-lawyer training uh, that, you know, it, it would be, you know, it would be helpful just to feel more sure about it, but based on the one paragraph <laughs> in the athletic article from uh, the, the, you know, one of the foremost reporters in c- covering the collective bargaining agreement, like I would expect Saturday to have some news made. All right. So that's something to look forward to when we do get that information and news from the Chicago White Sox and who is going to be part of the 26 man roster. We'll obviously be reporting that on SoxMachine.com and it will be tweeted out, which you can follow us on Twitter at SoxMachine. You can also follow me on Twitter at SoxMachine underscore Josh. So we should have some clarity by Saturday, fingers crossed, and get some news from the Chicago White Sox. We'll finally know who is part of the 26 man roster. And that will lead to our final position preview podcast that will be recorded on Monday. So when you wake up Monday morning, there won't be a podcast episode for you as Jim will be in a curling tournament this weekend. So it'll be a day delayed, but we will get that bullpen preview episode and it will help to know and who is actually part of the White Sox opening day bullpen. And then we'll have our season predictions. And all of a sudden here we are 2023 opening day. And we are off and running at Sox machine covering the Chicago White Sox daily during the regular season. So we're almost there folks. Again, we're just one week away from opening day. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but after the break, we're going to talk about what you can expect Going to games at Guarantee Ray Field in 2023 for new concession items as the Chicago White Sox had their food day. Next on the Sox Machine Podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. Something that's always fun for me, living nearby, is that the Chicago White Sox have food day, is what it is coined, in which they bring all the media out. They bring the executive chefs out from the two companies that help with concession stands in Guarantee Ray Field with Levy Restaurants in Delaware North. And they present all of the new concession items that will be at Guarantee Rate Field for the upcoming season. And in 2023, there's a lot of different types of food items the Chicago White Sox will be presenting to fans, especially in post-pandemic times for the Chicago White Sox. There wasn't a lot of hype the past couple of years when it comes to concession items. It used to be pre-pandemic, as the White Sox were really known for the types of food that they were offering at the ballpark. And it seems in 2023, they're going Back to that same type of method, really trying to impress fans that will be attending that you don't always have to tailgate. You can come into the stadium an hour and a half before game time and eat at the stadium. Obviously, the White Sox want more of your money. Every Major League Baseball team has that same type of marketing strategy. But alas, at least they are offering some unique food items that uh, I got a chance to sample some. And Jim, I know you got the list in front of you. So I think the best way to do this is that out of the list... Or the things that you have read mm-hmm. and heard about, what entices you the most? Like, what is most interesting to you? I generally, generally speaking, when it comes to ballpark food, I like stuff that you can eat while sitting or standing or walking. Like, it's stunt food is good, but ultimately, like, you don't want to walk around with, like mustard on your jersey or you know, just like uh, right. onion grease on your uh, on your pants uh, because like something like drops off. The, the, the back end of a bun. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. So, uh, you know, I was interested last year in your chicken and waffle fries. And so like the hot honey chicken loaded fries jumped out to me because that seems like something that's containable, uh, but also like, you know, has flavor and has like, you know, in, in something that's unique to the park that I haven't seen anywhere else. And so that's probably where I'd go first, Okay, I think. Yeah, the they had... They had samples of that. I didn't get to it. It was very overwhelming this time for food day. Uh, they seem to have samples for everything. And I'm trying to lose weight, folks. I don't you know if you've noticed that. <laughs> and uh, it got a little intimidating. So I did not try the that particular item because I know that when I get into the stadium and opening day, I, I will search for that. That will be one of the things I want to know if it carries over because – on food day, the White Sox put their best face on, and oftentimes for some of these food items, this is the best that they're going to taste. Uh, there's going to mm-hmm. be a difference to on how the yeah. game day operations go. So that is a good choice. Uh, speaking of the chicken tenders and, and waffle fries, they are going to do the helmet. So you know the helmet nachos? Mm-hmm. They're going to put a pound of waffle fries and then top it with 10 huge chicken tenders. And 
they've had some extreme challenges, like eating the ballpark nachos out of the helmet for one person. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. The ice cream sundae in the helmet, I think is physically impossible. There's no way that a single person can do that without being sick. Even if you're not lactose intolerant, like you're going to get, it's like the the gallon of milk challenge. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly this here. The 10 huge chicken tenders and a pound of waffle fries. There's just no way. Like, I don't think there's any way you could tackle that solo unless you ran like half a marathon before you got there. And it's just so much fried food. I, I don't think any one person could tackle it. But yeah, yeah the White Sox are a lot of starch. The, the White Sox are really piggybacking on this combination of fried chicken nuggets or fried chicken tenders and some type of sauce and and waffle fries, which I love the two items. So it worked last year. I am looking forward to seeing how it works this year. Also is the poppy bagel wrapped Polish, like a, basically a bagel dog. I believe so. Based on the description, they did not have that available. uh, Did you have bagel dogs growing up? I did. Uh, cause they were really easy as far as like baking them. Like, uh, the, the pizza rolls or throw them in a microwave. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, I'm not sure if this is Downers Grove related or just like a Chicagoland school thing, but like market day uh, is mm-hmm. one of the you know c- common things and just, yeah, easy to pop in a microwave. I was surprised you like the colossal potato wedges because I find potato wedges generally to be overrated. It's just like the first bite's good and then it's just like a lot of mealy potato by the end of it. Yep. So I'm surprised that you were, you were raving about them. Same. Out of the French fry variations, potato wedges are very far down the list. But the way they describe the process, it takes them three days, Jim, to make this kind of potato wedges. Now, I think there's got to be a faster way of doing that. (laughs) To take three days. I mean, I get like 30-day, 60-day dry aging cuts of meat for steaks and such to enhance Mm -hmm. that type of flavor. Like I get that. It should never take you like three days to make a French fry. Okay. I don't, if maybe if it's a potato that's extinct, I would get it if you wanted to handle it with care. But the way that they describe as far as the process is very elaborate. But when I got them, they are crunchy. Like it's, if you like your potato wedges to be a lot of potato in the middle, I think you'd be disappointed. But for me, they found the right combination here where you still get some potato in the middle, but it is super crunchy and it's really easy to dip. And that loaded baked potato dip that they had, which was really heavy on the bacon, was a great combination. So I, because it's in the premium seating, I probably won't have mm-hmm. it again for the rest of the year. But in that sample and getting a chance to try it at a food day, if I was in the premium level, I would be searching for the potato wedges because they were that good. Yeah, I'm looking at the premium list. And I'm surprised like pulled pork sandwiches. Is there a pulled pork sandwich that's not premium, that's not in the stadium club? Because that's like a pretty good ballpark staple, like in terms of like easy enough to be contained and, you know, like have the wrapper backing you up. And like I'm trying to think like, I don't know if I've actually seen a pulled pork sandwich on the concourse. I know that they had pulled pork topping for the loaded baked potato stand. That's in the 100 level. But I haven't seen a lot of people get loaded baked potatoes. And the Smokehouse in center field, I believe, did a pulled pork sandwich this past season. 
I don't know if that's carried over to 2023. I didn't hear anything about that concession stand. So if it does stay, I will say in center field, you can get a pulled pork sandwich, but they also smoked in-house brisket and the brisket smell overtook every time I went to the stand. It made me rethink, oh, maybe I'll get pulled pork this time. Nope, I can smell the brisket. I'm getting brisket instead. So I can't report back to you the pulled pork from the smokehouse stand in center field, Jim, is any good. But for this particular pulled pork, they're just partnering up with a, a local barbecue company, uh, Hog Wild Barbecue. And they're also doing rib tips. And for those that did try the rib tips near me, as far as other media outlets, they fell in love with the rib tips. People raved about the rib tips. So if you're a big rib tips guy, uh, you can enjoy that if you get a chance to go into the 300 level this upcoming season for White Sox games. I'm, this is making me excited for Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you're going to be. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit jealous. Yeah. I, I Again, I haven't been to Kansas City, but I love barbecue restaurants that adopt the Kansas City model yep. is when it comes to barbecue. I love sauces. <laughs> They're like, oh, man, I, I wish we were there. And like, wait, I'm going to Kansas City tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be set for a few days and bring sauce home. So, yeah. I'm good. Yes. So, so based on... Because I'm sure I'm I'm like you and I'm sure other White Sox fans are as well about I want something that's easy to eat in my seat, especially with the pitch clock. You don't want to miss a lot of the game now because you're standing concession lines uh, and you're there at the game to watch the game. I have to say the steak sandwiches are really good. And if you like getting Italian beef at White Sox games, I think you're going to enjoy the steak sandwiches as well because preparing the steak sandwiches, they're going to have that griddle and they're going to throw as far as the flat top steaks or ribeye on top of the griddle and, you know, also grilling up the pepper. So there's going to be this fantastic smell by the stand and for the cheese steak, throwing some white cheddar on there and then the veggies and the steak. I think that makes it easy to eat, but the chimichurri ribeye steak sandwich, oh, that crushed him. Okay. I don't know if you're a chimichurri guy, but I love that combination of flavors. And it was it had just enough garlic in it and uh, acidity too, as far as the chimichurri that it, it was fantastic. And, and the ribeye was tender. I'm hoping the same quality carries over during the regular season because that was the best item I had at food day was that chimichurri steak sandwich. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Like, looks good. I think I like chimichurri in small doses, like not too much like i don't like it as a main oh uh, then you may not like this because yeah. it's a lot <laughs> but i mean i think it tracks i don't have it that often to where like you know taste change so i think i would if it's if you're giving it like the uh uh the home run recommendation here then i think i would try just based on that um because you know your food pretty well like your your recommendations are good so i, I would take you up on that looking at the beer list too um you know lion kugels is back which I don't mind. Like I like the, uh, the black bear mix. Uh, I think that was my go-to for, uh, although I try the red sun. I don't remember the red sunset being there, the half, uh, sunset wheat, half, uh, red pale ale. I might give that a shot, but yeah, I like the line in Kugel's, uh, what was it? The cabin in right center field. Yes. When he used to be out there. Yeah. I, I like that part. So I'm happy that's back. Um, but yeah, I didn't recognize any of the, uh, Brewery names, uh, there's one called Obscurity Brewing, which I thought was fitting because like, yeah, these are all new to me. <laughs> they're, they're new to me as well. 18th Street Brewery, 
Uh, for those that know Chicago beer and you know the Chicago beer scene, they've been getting a lot of hype lately. Uh, Black-owned brewery, they've been having some events, hosting some events at Haymarket in the West Loop in Chicago. Uh, same thing with Funky Town Brewery as well. They are also black-owned. They'll have hip-hops and R&B brew, their pale ale at White Sox games. And the, the Craft Cave, I do need to a little information here. So the name is technically changing to Lining Kugel's Craft Lodge. And the lining mix is like Jim was mentioning, the Black Bear and Red Sunset. Those are only happening in the Craft Cave. Mm. Uh, where they used to have a stand in the 500 level and the lodge, uh, the, the cabin lodge in right center field, as you mentioned, Jim, to mix it. I was informed at food day, the lining mixes are only happening in this craft lodge, which we'll continue calling it the craft cave because everybody knows that. But they're still keeping all the coolers. They're still going to have 50 breweries inside the stadium. So the new breweries to be added, other than Funky Town and 18th Street and Obscurity Brewery Brewing, you got On Tour Brewing, they're going to have a farmhouse ale, a Voodoo Brewing Company, they're going to have a traditional golden American lager, and then Metal Monkey and Toppling Goliath Brewery. These are women-owned breweries that will be part of the rotation. And the White Sox are also partnering up with Pilot Project Brewery. It's an incubator in Logan Square. So there's going to be some limited time releases coming out of that program that will be featured at Guarantee Rate Field. But I will also say for those that just like, I don't want to say normal beer, but let's call it macro beer, very heavy on Blue Moon and Miller High Life. I like Miller High Life but I only like it in the bottle and they're only going to have Miller high life on draft in the can at guarantee rate field, but the two 500 level bars that they just opened up and they weren't available for the public to check out because they were pouring concrete. So they're still not ready to go for the white Sox opening day. And they're hoping that they will be ready to go by white Sox opening day, but one will be blue moon themed. The other will be Miller high life themed. So on a macro level, those would be the two big beers that the white Sox are pushing. Not bad as macro beers go. Like True. They, they have their I purpose. Mean, I, I, I like those better than like Bud Light. Yeah. Modelo is probably still, yeah. Modelo is still probably the way to go for me in terms of like the, Macro beer. Yeah. Especially and like $5. <laughs> for yeah, $5 on Tuesdays. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say like the line and Kugel thing. Like I, I wish around the concourse because like I always like those mixes as like a dessert beer. Oh, okay. Like it's like sixth inning, like last drink of the day. Like I'm going to have dessert. So it's going to be uh berry Weiss and something else sweet that I normally would not have with the meal. And especially like if it's, you know, above 80 degrees, like it's kind of like ice cream with like at like six percent alcohol got it okay yeah it's uh if you make it up to any games jim and if you sit by us in section 108 we're not that far away from the craft cave you just got to walk up the stairs hop over the the water feature walk down the miller light landing section which is section 107 and then you can get to the craft cave but i mean it is a hassle because having season tickets in section 108 the crap brewery stand is at the top of the concourse for me. And then the beer guys always come down. So 
I don't know how often I would be taking advantage of the lining mixes this year, unless I'm going to a game early with like friends and family and we stop in there and then I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I'll try this. This will be a little treat. This is not normal for me, but my normal beer buying habit will probably still be buying Modelo's up in the, the craft beer uh, section uh, on the concourse that stand uh, around section 108. Yeah, so as far as the food items go, those are the those are the big items, and you can go to SocksMachine.com to see a more complete list. As the season goes on, I'll be trying to get all the new food items and review them and follow us on Instagram. Yes, we do have an Instagram. We're at SocksMachine, and I'll be posting those food reviews and pictures all season long on our Instagram feed so you can check out those food reviews before you head to Guarantee Ray Field. But yeah, so some new concession items for the Chicago White Sox in 2023. They don't do a whole lot right with stadium operations these days, and Fingers crossed that they are, according to their words, they have overhired when it comes to staff. So to help cut down the lines and try to enter the stadium, that is a big focus for them this upcoming season is to cut down the wait time to get you inside the stadium. So look forward to those types of adjustments when you do go, especially the home opener. Uh, but the- and then hopefully it applies to the food as well. Like, you know, when it comes to actually getting, especially these, some of these items create lines. Like- right. Hopefully they're ready for that as well. We'll see. <laughs> I think it's a it's a it's a bigger focus right now trying to get people into the stadium uh, than in the concessions. They're not concerned. I did ask, are you concerned about the pitch clock? They are not concerned when it comes to the pitch clock and concessions. If the minor leagues did not see a drop off in concession purchases with their pitch clock. Uh, they're not expecting anything at Guarantee Rayfield too drastic at the moment. That could obviously change. We'll see about buying habits. But right now for the White Sox, they're more focused on trying to get people into the stadium easier because last year was quite a disaster. But when you get inside the stadium, there's new beer and new food items to try. And if you want to check out the list again, go to SoxMachine.com to see the complete list for the upcoming season. But that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, check it frequently and often at SoxMachine.com and follow us on Twitter at SoxMachine. And you can follow me on Twitter at SoxMachine underscore Josh. When we do get that roster news settled for the White Sox with a 26-man roster and who actually makes the White Sox bench to start the season. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. If you enjoy your work and would like more, you can help support us at patreon.com slash Sox Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get exclusive content, like Jim just recently wrote up a P.O. Sox mailbag, where he got to answer questions from our Patreon supporters. So if you're a Patreon supporter and you didn't get a chance to read that, definitely check that out on SoxMachine.com. But for the non-Patreon supporters, you get exclusive content, you get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website, and when we have new Sox Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, you can sign up at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. Thank you.